You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Wow, it's so good to be with you guys. So good to be here. And uh, thanks, Pastor Vince and Becca, for having us here today. Um, Wow, it was just amazing to be standing here, and I felt the presence of God in this place. And I really want to thank uh, the band. Let's give it up for them. You're a great team. Thank you. And the production team and your hosts. It's just a great feeling walking into church this morning, um, 8,000 kilometers away from home, and it, uh, which is like, I don't know, 6,000 miles or something, and feeling right at home. Um, feeling right at home. We're, um, we've been pastoring C3 Church in the Netherlands, in Arnhem, and in Nijmegen, two cities close to the German border, uh, for the last 11 years. So when we got married, I was 30, my wife was 25, my beautiful wife, Yaditya, she's here, let's give her a hand. And um, uh, we started uh, pastoring in the year that we were married. Uh, our pastor said it was their wedding gift to us. Uh, it was like, whoa, okay, let's uh, go on a honeymoon first. But, you know, after that, it was just such a pleasure to get involved in building the local church. And, um, and uh, we started pastoring as the campus pastors of C3 Church in Arnhem. And we came to the Empower Conference last year in San Diego. And, I mean, that was like the best conference I have ever been at, we have ever been at. And, and as soon as we heard that Presence uh, Conference was going to be in San Diego as well this year, we were like, okay, we're signing up. We're going to be there. And, and so if you think it's a little bit far to San Diego, we came 6,000 miles from the other side of the world, you know, because our our, we miss our, our three kids dearly, uh, although it's quite relaxed to be without the kids <laughs> for a week. But, um, but we are so much looking forward, you know, uh, to just be in the Presence Conference. And we love your church. We love what you're part of. And uh, C3 Church uh, here in, in Salt Lake City and in, in San Diego under the leadership of Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. Um, we've been following them and uh, been, been friends with them since more than 10 years. We love them. They're great people, quality people. And, and we love the way they they walk the talk, and they live a life of faith, and it, they have so blessed us so much in so many ways, and, and it's just an honor for me to speak here, and also to meet your pastors here, Vince and Becca. These are quality people. These people are gold. Come on, let's give it up for your pastors, honestly. Um, we just loved meeting you yesterday. They are so full of life, and, uh, and, and they are a fun couple. I mean, just seeing them have fun here on the stage just now and, 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 and just joking around and like, they're just so full of life. And I believe God has a great future for this church in this beautiful city. I mean, it, it's just beautiful with, with the mountains all around. And um, we flew over this city last year on our way to the conference, but now we're in the city. But I believe that, that um, this church is going to make a mark. In this city. In fact, during the worship, like I saw this ladder, um, and I felt God was saying there is a ladder in this in this city 
And it's the Jacob's ladder. It's the ladder between heaven and earth. And uh, the presence of God is in the church. It's the house of God where his presence is released as, as, as his angels transcend up and down this ladder, delivering the prayers from the people up to heaven and delivering what is in heaven to earth. And I believe that God has given you a place in this city. He's given you a footprint in this city. And this won't be the only location. You know, I believe there's going to be more locations in this church, uh, in this city, because this city needs Jesus. And this city needs life. This city needs freedom. And it's just so great to see a church full of life in this city. And it's an honor for me to be here with you today. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to speak to you today about life. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life and have it to the full. Everyone says life. life. You know, life, life is, is for the living. And, and Jesus wants to give us life to the full. And, and today, I want to share a very personal story of a battle between death and life. And you see, often we think in the battle between death and life, it is death that has the last word. But today, I want to tell you that death does not have the last word. Life has the last word because life is stronger than death. You know, I want to, I want to start with... Uh, just just as an example about something that, that I love, and that's coffee. I love to drink coffee. Now, I think you, you guys like coffee as well, hearing the response. And I don't know if you, if you know the Nespresso machines. Uh, you know, I don't know, but, but with Nespresso, what I love about it, you have these little capsules, and, and you put them in the machine. You can, like, select different kinds. Uh, but there's so much power in such a, in such a little, in such a capsule. And, and when you put it in the machine, then the pressure of the machine, it comes onto the capsule. And then all the flavor and the aroma and the strength that the coffee delivers is, is going to be going right through that capsule as the water hits it. And, and then you're going to have a nice, strong coffee. That gives you the hit that you need, right? But who knows that when you have second-hand Nespresso, have you ever had one of those? Or third-hand Nespresso? It's like you forgot to install the new capsule. Oh, gross. How distasteful is that? How distasteful. And then um, you need to know that you've got to install a new capsule every time you want that coffee. Well, the same is true for our lives. We need to install the capsule of the Word of God into our life every single day because inevitably pressures of life will come. They will hit us and, and what will be inside of us will come out of us. You see, what's inside that capsule comes out of it. Now, if, if, if we have not installed a fresh word of God every single day, then we will get secondhand weak coffee that will not be able to sustain us for the life that God is calling us to live. And so, the Bible says in Matthew 12, 35 about this principle, 
A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What have you installed into you? What capsule have you installed into your system? Because you know what? What is in you will come out of you. And I pray that today we will install the living and active Word of God. Because inevitably some pressures will arise in life. Things in life will happen that are completely unexpected, completely unforeseen. And, and bad things will happen to good people. And then the outcome of what will happen will be fully dependent on what's inside of us. Who you are will be known not when life is easy, but when life is bad. And what you are will be what you've put in you. And what you've put in you will be what will come out of you when the pressures of life arise. So the title of my message today is Life Can Be Bad, But God Is Good. But God is good. So you see, we live in a fallen and a broken world. And, and often, you know, we, we misunderstand that when bad things happen, we think... Oh, no, something bad has happened, and life's supposed to be good, right? Life's good. So if something bad is happening, therefore God must be bad. And the enemy whispers into our ear, and he says, you see, God is bad. Well, what we need to realize is that we live in a fallen and broken, sin-infested world where many things will happen. Bad things will happen. Bad things will happen to good people if you live long enough. But it doesn't change anything about God. So we need to realize if something bad happens in our life, or rather when that happens, we shouldn't go, hey, oh, no, something bad happened, so therefore God must be bad. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Life can be bad, but God is good. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that I'm about to share. I thank you that it will touch our hearts. God, we open up our hearts to receive from heaven. Lord, I pray that you've put something personal into every single heart and every situation. Lord, even when situations are bad, even when we've received a negative report of some kind this week, when we know people that are going through bad stuff, I pray right now that the goodness of God will help us live above those circumstances as your word touches us and infuses us with life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Now, I'm going to share a story that I ended up writing a book about. I didn't plan to write a book by the age of 40, but I, I did. Um, and it's called The Norman Factor. In fact, I brought 15 copies with me today. And it's about a guy called Norman Williams. Norman Williams was a passenger in the world's worst airline disaster ever in March 1977 on the runway of Tenerife. And he was a Christian. He survived that disaster miraculously, ended up teaching about it around the world, and his teachings impacted my life in a big way. However, I didn't know how much the, his teachings would be tested uh, in my own life when something very bad happened to us. Um, but this book is the result of a, a very painful time in our life. 
rather God used it for his good. This book is, is proof that God can make your mess into your message. And I'm, I'm praying and believing that the teachings that are in this book will be a blessing to you. There's lots of application about the principles that I'm about to share. Pastor Jurgen, in fact, wrote the foreword to this book, and it was released in the United States of America, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> All right. Now, let me introduce uh, our family to you as I'm about to share uh, our story between life and death. Um, this is our family. Here's a picture. I think the team has put up this picture. And um, here are our three kids, Noah, who is nine, and David on the right, who is seven. And then our beautiful bundle of joy, Ava. Ava, she's four years of age today, and we just love her. Her name is Ava Joy. And here I have a picture of just our daughter with her mother uh, in her first year. And it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? A picture that speaks of life and joy. And there she is, Ava Joy. Ava Joy. But um, her name, uh, Ava, you know what it means? It means giver of life. Giver of life. And uh, it means that life is stronger than death. However, her name wasn't Ava when she was born. When she was born, we called her Esther. Esther, a beautiful name, a strong name after Queen Esther. And Esther means star or light. And you see, light is stronger than darkness. But why did we change such a strong name? Why did we change Esther's name to Ava one day after she was born? Well, it was because of the events that unfolded in the night of her birth. And... Um, that led to this moment, pictured here. This is um, our daughter in the night she was born uh, with my wife in hospital just after my wife, Yaditya, woke up after a two and a half hour surgery uh, in which doctors were fighting to save her life. And um, I'm going to share what happened in that, that night, uh, that night where death tried to take out my wife out of the race. The plan of death tried to take my wife out, tried to take me out, us out of the ministry. Uh, I, I know for a fact that if, if she would have died that night, I'm not sure if I would have still been pastoring. Um, you know, it's, it was a plan from hell that tried to surround us that night. However, we discovered that when hell wants to surround you, heaven is surrounding hell. Amen. Now, the story I'm about to unfold is very rare. Uh, a complication that arose after birth that happens only once uh, in 400,000 births. So if you're pregnant, there's no cause for concern. I mean, it only happens once every two and a half years in our entire country. Uh, and what happened is that we, uh, in the Netherlands, women can give birth at home. And we have amazing midwife care, fully focused for, uh, on women giving birth at home. In fact, 30% of women give birth at home. And our first two children were born without much complication in that way. And so, uh, in the night of the 8th of May 2015, 
our daughter was born. It, the labor was pretty intense, but finally she was there. And we were so happy. And, you know, I cut the umbilical cord. And then we took pictures. And we were, like, just so happy. You know what? If, if you've ever, ever experienced a birth, it, it's just a miracle moment. And, and there you have the little bundle of joy, and you're holding it. And we were just full of joy. It was just like a little piece of heaven on earth after a pretty intense delivery. But then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happened. And what happened is that uh, the uterus came out of the body. So, after, after the birth, the placenta was born. Is, is that a, an English word? The placenta was born, and, and then with the placenta, like, a pink balloon appeared. And you can compare it to, like, pulling your empty pocket inside out of your, of your pants. And, it, and, and basically, they call it a uterine inversion. It's called a type 1 inversion of the uterus. And with that, a wound as big as a hand appeared, out of which blood started to pour, just bucket loads of blood. Um, the midwives, they looked puzzled. They had never seen anything like that before. And their, the looks on their faces, they turned from puzzled to amazed to fearful to completely shocked as they saw what was happening because they'd never seen it before. And so they started to dial 911 for an ambulance to come. Now, at that point, I started to lose it. It was... 3 a.m. by this time. I'd been awake almost 24 hours. I'd just been sitting by my wife's side, seeing her give birth, which almost took like, I don't know, seven or eight hours. Now it was 3 a.m. We were at home. It, I knew it was a 15-minute ride to the nearest hospital. There was no ambulance inside. And here I saw her losing liters of blood. What was I to do? This was the moment that what was in me would come out of me. Would come out of me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to unpack four tools that, that I found in a life kit, that I would call it, that God gave me, gave us to get through this. And as I share the story, I believe these tools will help you. Because if it can save a person from death, you know, it can save us from anything. And to all of us, things will happen in life that are completely unexpected, unwanted, or unforeseen. But whatever it is, we need to know that God is with us. We need to know even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will come out on the other side. And God will be with us. Amen. So the first thing that I started to do is I started to do the thing that I always do when I don't know what to do. And that is, of, in, the, in the course of my life, I've learned to pray in other tongues. To pray in other tongues. Praying in other tongues is a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in the Bible is called our helper. He is our helper. He is inches away from you. He lives inside of you. And when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the normal evidence of speaking other languages. You have something living on the inside, a direct connection 
with heaven. And what I did, I went into my room, into another room. I left my wife, who was losing consciousness at that moment. I left her with the midwives. I went into a room, another room, and I started pacing up and down the room, praying in other tongues, asking God for help, asking Him for a word, a lifeline. I, I, because I was going crazy, I said, God, I'm losing my wife right now. She is losing liters of blood. What do you have to say to me? And then I started praying in other tongues. And as soon as I started praying in other tongues, a word welled up from within me. And it is Psalm 113, verse 9. And in Psalm 113, verse 9, it says the following. I have it here on the screen. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. And the Holy Spirit spoke clearly to me. He said, she will be a happy mother of children. As soon as I started praying in tongues, that word welled up from within me. And I, I, I had happened to read that word in my quiet time just three weeks prior. I had forgotten about it, but somehow it was still stored within me. As Matthew 12, 35 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up within him. And God brought it forth out of my treasure chest. You see, what's in you will come out of you. And, and, and suddenly that word came to the service and God told me very clearly, he encouraged me, she will be a happy mother of children, don't you worry. And that word was a lifeline. Now, praying in tongues, it opens up a broad band, high speed glass fiber connection with the word of God. With a living and active Word of God, whether it be a Rima word or a Logos word. It's, I don't know if you remember the 14K4 kind of modems in, 1990, in the 90s. You remember those? Like... And then, you know, you can finally down an email and it takes five minutes. Who's glad that we've left the 90s behind? We can go streaming 4K videos. You know, and, and like, honestly, praying in tongues gives you uh, the 4K ability. It gives you this high-speed connection with the things of God, the things you cannot conjure up from within your own soul. And, and as soon as you start praying in tongues, you need to realize you've got one mouth and two ears. And God will not just want you to pray, but he will want you to listen. So as soon as you start praying in tongues, uh, and, and do, make this a habit to do this daily, and also make it a habit to try to listen to what God is saying. Because he will bring things to the forefront of your spirit. Now, I received that word, and it was, it was a lifeline to me, yet circumstances spoke very differently. Very differently, because... Um, even though God said she will be a happy mother of children, moments later she was carried down the stairs by the two uh, ambulance paramedics that had come in. And she was unconscious. They tried to find a pulse. They couldn't find a pulse. They tried to connect an intravenous drip um, so they can you know, inject some fluids into her system. They couldn't do it. The ambulance paramedics, they looked worried. And then as I, as I entered the ambulance to join them to drive to the hospital, one of the midwives started crying. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a professional crying, I, I just, I, my mind, I lost it. I went crazy. You see, you can have a battle between the thoughts in your mind and the truths in your spirit. You can have a battle between the facts of this world and the truth that God is declaring. You see, Abraham couldn't uh, have children. And the facts were that Sarah could not bear children. Yet the truth was that God said, Abraham, I've called you a father of many. Past tense, God had already seen from above time that Abraham would be a father of many, yet the facts spoke completely the opposite picture. There will be a battle in our lives sometimes between the facts and the truth. And you know what we need to do? We need to attach our mouth to the truth of God and start declaring what he is saying. And as we do that, the facts will be overridden by the truth. Amen? And that's exactly what I started to do, and that's my second point, the proclamation of God's Word. Proclamation of God's Word. As I was in the ambulance, even though my head went crazy, even though the enemy was shouting in my ear, she will die, she will die, she will die, you will be left alone, you know, you, um, uh, a uh, person without a wife and with three little kids to raise, and, and, and the enemy was shouting in my ear, she will die, she will die, she will die. Yet a whisper was in my spirit. She will be a happy mother of children. And what I started to do, even though I didn't believe it at first, even though I didn't see it, I started to just repeat what God was saying. She will be a happy mother of children. She will be a happy mother of children. She will be a happy mother of children. I start to focus on the words that I was saying. She will be a happy mother of children. 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 And as I started to say it and repeat it, the paramedic in the ambulance who was driving, he looked at me, he was like, this guy, what's, what's he doing? You know, we were speeding with 90 miles per hour through the city in the middle of the night. And I was there. She will be a happy mother of children. She will be a happy mother. Out loud. I was not thinking it in my head. I was saying it with my mouth. You see, Jesus says, when there is a mountain in your life, speak to the mountain and it will move. You see, all of us will have mountains at one point or the other in our life. And Jesus didn't say, you know, when there is a mountain, just pray that the mountain will move. He didn't go, you know, when there is a mountain in your life, just hope for the mountain to move. He didn't say, if there is a mountain, wait for the mountain to move. He didn't even say, ask God to move the mountain. He says, he says when there is a mountain in your life, speak to the mountain, move, and it will move. Amen. Come on, let's give God an applause and install this capsule in your life because we have underestimated the power of our words. Your words have creative power. You have been created in the image of God himself. And when he spoke, his world was created. Likewise, when you speak, the world you see around you will be created by the words you speak. I didn't believe it at first. I didn't see it at first. But as I kept repeating it, faith started to rise in my spirit. Faith is a muscle. And you know what? For muscles to grow, they need 
exercise and food. Amen? <laughs> For muscles to grow, they need exercise, repetitive, repetitive exercise, and food. Well, faith is a muscle. And for your faith to grow, it needs exercise, which means saying out loud what God is saying. And it needs food, the Word of God. I take the Word of God as my food, and I speak the Word. I take the Word of God as my food, and I speak the Word. And I keep repeating. I keep repeating what God is saying, and faith will grow. Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If I say it with my mouth, I will hear it with my ears and faith will grow and a certainty, certainty started to rise in my spirit. However, as we arrived at the hospital, I, I, I thought she's not going to make it. Even though she woke up, which was awesome. And they finally found an access point to attach the intravenous drip. What a miracle. But you know what? What we say will work. But still, she turned to me as she woke up and she said, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. And the problem is, I've seen too many war movies. Because, you see, in the war movies, like Saving Private Ryan and stuff, like this guy gets shot. Right? Oh, excuse me, right there. Um, so in the warm there's this guy and he gets shot and then and then at first he's like talkative and all happy, yeah, you know, it's all fine and, and then suddenly like he goes like, Oh, I'm so cold, I'm so cold and then two minutes later he's dead. Right? So I thought, man, she says, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. And, and these visions started to appear in my mind. She was rushed into the ER and I was taken to a separate room and I had to wait for a full two hours. And they didn't tell me how she was doing. I asked the nurses several times, how is she doing? Is she okay? They didn't want to tell me. And I just didn't know what to do. But I want to finish with these two points. The protection of the blood. The protection of the blood. And the power of praise. You see, Pastor Becca shared an amazing word of the power of the blood of Jesus. My wife has a very specific blood type. They need to do, uh, to give her the blood she needs, to give her a blood transfusion, they need to do 45 minutes of cross checks to get the right blood for a blood transfusion. By the time she came in, she had, into the hospital, she had lost five liters of blood. She had uh, two liters of blood left. They later told us if she would have arrived two minutes later, she would have been dead. They needed 45 minutes to do cross checks, but they only had two. You know, what I felt like doing was declaring the power of the blood of Jesus over my wife's blood. His blood speaks the last word. You know, it doesn't matter what blood type you have. His blood type overrides all other blood types. It doesn't matter where the cross checks needs to be done. Because he has already checked the box on the cross. He has already done a cross check for us. And he hung on the cross, not just for the forgiveness of your sins, but also for the healing of all our diseases. And his blood speaks the last word. So in Exodus 12, 13, it says, The blood will be a sign on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no destructive plague will touch you. You see, we live in a world where destructive plagues will come. 
There is an enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you live protected by the blood of Jesus, if you apply the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of your house, if you celebrate communion regularly in your household, you will be protected. It will not come near you. A thousand may fall on your left hand, 10,000 on your right hand, but it will not come near your doorstep in Jesus' name. And finally, the band may come up because we're going to close with a song of praise. And I think it's good to sing, Jesus, our redemption. I, th I love that, that little tag that we were just singing. But finally, as I was in that room, all I knew to do was just to praise God. As I had to wait for two hours, I decided to become like Paul and Silas. You know, when they were thrown into the inner dungeon in Acts chapter 16, yeah, they were completely locked in. I felt completely locked in with no way out. But rather than to complain, Paul and Silas decided to praise God. You see, God is worthy of your praise in your good and in your bad days. God is worthy of your praise on the top of the mountain and in the lowest valleys of life. And so I just started to just sing. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And I decided to raise my hands. I had not much strength left, but what I had in me, I gave. I rose my hands. I said, God, you are still on the throne. I will still lift my hands. I will still declare your praises. You see, when you build, when you, when you, when you praise God, you build him a throne. The Bible says in the Psalms that God rests on the praises of his people. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. And as we lift up our hands, declare a song of praise, you know what happened in that prison of Paul and Silas? The presence of God came down. And when the presence of God invades a prison, when freedom invades a prison, you know what will happen? The doors will fly open and the prisoners will be set free. So whatever your, your prison you're finding yourself in, if there's uh, negative reports in your life, if there is evil in trying to get to your door, if your kids are going through a struggle right now, even if death is knocking on your door, you know what? When you raise a hallelujah, when you praise God in heaven, His presence will invade any prison, any plan of death, any night of terror. And His light will be stronger than darkness. His life is stronger than death. He has the last word in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe it, say amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's stand up. Let's praise God together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.